0: Welcome everybody back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. And of course, I got my co host Matt here with me. Matt, it was a fun bye week. We got our little bit of college scouting in at the time of the beginning of the week. Look ahead to the 2023 draft, where the roots of this podcast is always going to remain is going to be on that draft. But we do like covering these Jets, especially when they're six and three with the playoffs on the line. And they got a really big matchup coming up this weekend, going to New England to take on the Patriots. First place in the AFC East is on the line with a Win and the Jets are looking for revenge after a, a rough game against the Patriots a few weeks ago that ended in a loss and ended their winning streak. I know, Matt, you're looking forward to this game just as much as I am. I think we should go ahead and dive right into it and get into our game plan because we just had this discussion a few weeks ago and things aren't too different, but there is one major key that I think we got to look at, and that is going to be on the offensive side of the ball. Let's talk about Zach Wilson and what Zach Wilson needs to do differently. Absolutely. So
1: after last week's win again, or not last week, the, the last game uh, that where we played uh, the Bills, we saw something a little different. Uh, we saw a little bit more quick game from Zach. Uh, he was mostly in shotgun. Uh, if he was under sender, it was a quick drop back and his eyes were downfield. Uh, and it had a lot of success. Uh, it seemed like a lot of the thinking was taken out of it. Uh, and he was very successful. Uh, with this game plan and i was thinking well all right it worked for the, against the bills will it work against the patriots and i don't know i truly don't know like will do the patriots uh have the ability to stop that
0: quick game uh what do you think yeah this is going to be an interesting discussion because i think looking at things in a vacuum zach wilson did does well with quick game So let's try and do more quick game to continue doing what he does well. And I don't think that thought process is completely and totally misaligned. The difference, I think, is when you're looking at the composition of these two defenses, I think the Patriots are willing to play a little more man coverage than Buffalo. And I think the Jets were able to get some yards going on quick passes against the Bills because they weren't seeing as much man coverage. There were a few opportunities where it, they got man coverage and they were able to exploit it. I remember Garrett Wilson had a, a catch up the seam that was in man coverage, I think on a third down where he's able to win off the snap and gets into his route quick. Zach's able to hit him and it gets to be a big gain and moves the chains. But outside of that, a lot of the early down passing, a lot of the, the short intermediate quick game stuff like you're talking about was coming against zone from Buffalo. And I feel like if Belichick is smart, which we know that he is, he's going to be looking to play more man and play probably specifically a little more press man to take away the open stuff underneath in the quick game. Not to mention, I think you go back to the game a few weeks ago and the jets offense moved the ball. Like this is, it got lost in Zach Wilson's turnovers, but he had 355 passing yards that day. Granted two of, you know, two plays, he had big plays, one to Denzel Mims and one to Garrett Wilson. You take the, that yardage output away, it was still like 240 yards of passing offense from Zach Wilson, which was still higher than what he had been doing in the weeks, weeks prior. Michael Four schemed up a good game. And I know showing you uh, opportunities on film after that game and clips that we were talking on Twitter, that there were other opportunities that Zach just missed that were not interceptions that could have been open plays. So I think if you're looking at this offensively, if you're the Jets, and you're looking at Zach Wilson in particular, do you want to try and have the quick game going at, to get him into a rhythm? Absolutely, but I don't think that can be the the end all be all. And I think if you're a fan trying to look at this game, going, you know, the the old cliche, it's kind of like the when Zeke Elliott gets 25 or more carries, the Cowboys win next percent of time. I feel like people think if Zach Wilson gets the ball out of his hands in less than seconds that you know it's going to be a good play no matter what and i don't feel like it's that simple so i think get zach into a rhythm early with some easy throws underneath absolutely completely agree with that all on board but i think you got to take your shots and i think you got to be willing to throw the ball down the field and trust that wilson's going to make the right read and you can't hamstring your offense By just becoming a purely dink and dunk attack that doesn't threaten anybody vertically, because I just don't think we have the offensive line to to do that. I don't think we have the run game right now to supplant that uh, with the way the offensive line is comprised and with the running backs that we have not having Brees Hall as that extra element in the backfield to keep defenses focused on, I think makes that a little tougher. So. I'm not trying to disagree with the thought process. All of the thinking is sound. And like I said at the start, in a vacuum, completely and totally agree. But I feel like in this game in particular, Belichick's going to know that that's coming, and that can't be your only answer.
1: Can't be the only answer. So how would you supplant that? What would be the main game plan that you would want to kind of build this uh, game plan around? Uh, How would you get, uh, besides the quick game, to, to get him in a rhythm early? What would you really want to lean on as the game goes
0: on? I think the thing to lean on, and really this showed up to me at the end of the Buffalo game, and I think the Jets can do this again for the second week in a row, you lean on your power run game. The last drive of the game against the Buffalo Bills, the Jets were starting at their own five-yard line. They ran the ball 10 times for 77 yards of the 13 plays total in the drive averaged 7.7 yards a carry for the drive. Their first three plays of the game were the exact same GT counter concept in a row, three times. James Robinson got it twice. Michael Carter got one of them. And it went for like 35 yards to open the game. I think you can really get more effective with this offensive line right now instead of trying to be the wide zone team that gets to the edge or the split zone team that's able to trust single blocks to, you know, down block people out of the way. And then you have Uzama or whoever it is coming back on the sift to take out the free defensive end and you're hoping to get in, into the crease between it. They've really struggled blocking with those concepts this year, but when they try and do more power concepts, when they try and run more counters and they try and and push down and pull some guards, and, and even when they run their pitches where they get guys like Dwayne Brown out in space and pitch to the edge, I think you can have more success trying to go... If you can get some yardage moving the ball on the ground with some power concepts up the middle against this Patriots defense, I think everything else opens itself up from behind that. Because on top of that, I think you can do it from shotgun, first off, which we saw that when Zach Wilson's in the shotgun, he seems to be more comfortable. So you don't got to worry about going under center and going back to your core principles that way. We've also seen that Zach Wilson's really, really good at the RPO glance routes and especially the little tight end leaks over the middle, too where they've had a handful of big plays this year where Wilson's in the shotgun and he fakes the run inside and he's able to throw the little pop pass over the linebacker to Conklin and it goes for 15 yards. On top of that, if you can get these power concepts working out, now you can start running play actions where you pull linemen while you're doing it. And we've seen the Jets do that a couple of times where uh, on Brees Hall's big play against Miami, they run a play action where I'm pretty sure they pulled um they pulled Lake and Tomlinson and he came around to take on the defensive end that was waiting for, you know, a power block. It wasn't fully pass rushing and it opened up a good passing lane and a good pocket for Wilson to throw into. I, I think that's where your offense starts. It's you, you got to trust Zach Wilson to not make turnovers. First and foremost, Wilson has to play clean. You cannot just be giving the game away like you were a few weeks ago against the Patriots. But after that, I think if you can get some power run game going, especially from shotgun. And I really like that GT counter concept they used against Buffalo. I think they can do that more. If you can get some, some yardage in the run game doing that, I think it's going to open up the play action. I think you're going to have other elements for Zach to throw to, and you can still be threatening down the field. And if teams are focused on the run game or if the uh, the Patriots are focused on stopping the run, they're going to be less focused on stopping the quick passes as well.
1: Yeah. So, well, I think when we first played the Patriots, it was Robinson's first game, Uh, so we relied heavily on Carter that game, Uh, and I think that was maybe the first or second game without Vera Tucker, Uh, and so it was kind of a new dynamic with that offensive line as well. Uh, As we saw against the Bills, this offensive line did a lot better of a job, and do you think that the, the, the way that they've gelled together uh, and the way that they've progressed will have the impact that we need it to have in this game.
0: I really hope so. I'm not, I don't want to go ahead and sit here and say that it absolutely will. I'm very encouraged by what we saw against Buffalo, That I, I have to say, because in the about the only unit on Buffalo's defense that wasn't injured when the Jets played them was their defensive line. They still had Ed Oliver. They still had Von Miller. They still had Greg Russo. They still had A.J. Epinesa subbing in. Uh, they still had Jordan Phillips. You know, their, their core pieces up front were all still playing, and the Jets' offensive line was able to pretty much neutralize them for most of the day. And outside of one opportunity where Von Miller beat Abwehi and it became a strip sack, again, like I said, uh, when we were talking about that game before, I'm not going to get all over Cedric Abwehi coming off the street for giving up a sack to Von Miller. And the only other sack they gave up the rest of the day was the end of their last drive, where Zach Wilson smartly takes a sack to keep them in field goal range and keep the clock running. So I'm very encouraged by what we saw. The only difference is I'm a little more worried about the Patriots scheming up pressures with stunts and twists. And Lamont Jordan, actually, my co-host on Believe in Jets, he brought this up when we were recording that yesterday, where that was one of his big keys for the offense was be aware of the games up front by the Patriots. That's where communication absolutely is going to be key. And eliminating the free rushers that come through, because we've seen this season when Zach Wilson has free rushers coming at him, disaster happens. And if he doesn't have free rushers coming at him and he has time to stand in the pocket and go through his reads and trust what he's seeing, normally, usually he's a pretty efficient quarterback and the Jets offense does pretty well. So I think that first and foremost has got to be a a key. And on top of that, you got to chip the hell out of Matt Judon. Mm -hmm. You got to do whatever you can to make sure that you're aware of him because uh, he can wreck a game just like Vaughn Miller could have wrecked the game. The Jets did a really good job against him, chipping him and taking away any opportunities for him to just get going. I think you got to do the same thing and you got to treat Judon with the same respect where it, it- I'm trying not to give him a one-on-one at any point all day. And if he is going to be in a situation where he's getting a one-on-one, then I'm hoping that we're sliding the line in that direction or there's some sort of play-action fake coming at him or something that he has to read to slow him down and not just let Judon pin his ears back. Because if Judon can go full force, then I don't think it matters how much communication this line has. I just think he's better than our tackles.
1: He just is that, that much better. It's, yeah. it's light, night and day between the talent level of Judon and our any of our tackles at this point. Now, earlier in the week, we heard from Sala uh, saying that uh, they're going to be using more, a lot more in the slot. Uh, I, know, I don't know the, the percentage breakdown of how much time he's been spending out wide compared to in the slot before this week. Uh, but what new wrinkles do you think they could be adding with
0: more in the slot? I'm going to go somewhere a little bit different first, and I'm going to answer your question, because I, I do think that they could be doing some, some new things with more that might be, uh, might be fruitful. But the first thing I want to say, and, and again, we talked about this on Believe in Jets as well, but I feel really strongly about it, and so that's why I'm going to mention it again this cannot be the game where you get too cute offensively and try and draw up all the, the orbit motions and the swing passes and screens. And, and we're going to fake a screen this way and go back the other way. When you get into the right situation for that, sure. But, but that cannot be the, we're going to move Elijah Moore to the slot so that he can be the decoy. I don't think anyone's going to fall for it. I don't think anyone's going to, is going to care. And I think you're taking away you're taking out an eligible receiver that you could have downfield where There was a, they did this against Buffalo a couple of times where Moore started in the slot and he came across on like that little jet motion. And then he does the orbit in the backfield, like he's going to run around and then go back out to the flat. And they had one play in particular where they did that. And it was a, a standard pass from Zach Wilson. It wasn't, I don't even think it was a play action. And Elijah Moore standing in the flat after the snap, like five yards behind the line of scrimmage, standing completely still as a check down. And Zach doesn't even look his way and the ball goes somewhere else. And if I'm the Buffalo defense or if I'm a Patriots defender watching film of that game, I'm Why going, pay attention okay, to OK, <laughs> right. I don't that's one less guy I got to cover. That's one mm-hmm. less guy I got to worry about, because not at any point did the Jets throw any of those orbit motions to Elijah Moore and actually let him do something with it. So first and foremost, I'm going to say don't get too cute as as what can we do differently with more in the slot. And the second point to answer your question, let's actually draw up some plays and scheme for it. Where, if he's going to run that orbit motion, then let's throw it to him actually once or twice and make the Patriots defend that from now on. Where actually think, okay, we might have to worry about more getting the ball here. It might actually be, you know, a swing screen and, and it's not just a decoy of something going the other way. Where if he's going to be lined up in the slot and he's going to be the one with a two way go on a third down over the middle, that should be where Zach's eyes are looking. You should be able to trust that Elijah Moore can win that matchup. I think you can also get really creative with some switch releases with him and Garrett Wilson when the Jets get into their stack sets. And if you have more to the inside on the line of scrimmage and you have Garrett to the outside off the line of scrimmage, you can create some space for either one of them where you can either have Garrett kind of release up the field and have uh, more kind of hesitate on his release and then have them switch and have more picked to free to the uh, to the sideline. Um, with Garrett running interference over the middle, or you flip it up the other way and you have more release vertically, and you have Garrett release under and behind him, and he comes over the middle and leave his defender in trail. I, I think you can create some some interesting opportunities, but first and foremost. Find ways to get Elijah Moore to the ball as the primary read in the play, not just the decoy, not just the guy that's isolated uh, as the single guy in the three by one side of the field that isn't even getting looked at. Well, let's draw up some plays for this guy that we all think is pretty dang talented and see what he can do.
1: Yeah, I, I'm kind of sick of just seeing him as a decoy. The amount of orbit motions that to nothing. Uh, against the Bills was just a joke to me, <laughs> but yeah, you know what? Uh, in hearing Moore's attitude lately, how he seems to be excited about things to come, uh, which is a new tune. Uh, I'm kind of excited to see what we can actually do with him if we actually use him, uh, which we haven't done. I don't know. I, I I think there's a lot here of what we just said. Uh, between Moore, the running game, uh, Zach how a game plan that we can throw out there and, and get some traction and get some yards, get some scores. But I feel like a large part of what, how we're going to win this game is actually on the defensive side. Also,
0: how can we stop Stevenson? Yeah, that is going to be the big question is, is how do you stop Ramondre Stevenson? And, and he is the Patriots offense primary weapon. I don't think there's any question about that whatsoever. They want to get him the ball as much as they can in as many ways as they can. And they want to ride Ramondre Stevenson to victory. And like we saw last year when the Patriots played the Buffalo Bills, the Patriots beat the Bills in a game where Mac Jones threw three total passes. And Ramondre Stevenson was a big reason why. If they can get into a game where they don't have to throw, and they can run the ball down your throat every play and trust that their defense is going to keep the, keep the other offense from scoring quick enough to where they don't feel pressed to be marching up and down the field in a, in a flash Then I really think that the that's how the Patriots want to play and you cannot let them do that. So first and foremost, for me, if you got to run, if you got to bring Quan Alexander on the field and play some base packages and trust you know, kind of sell out to stop the run a little bit, then I think you got to do what you got to do because the Patriots aren't going to be scared to get into 12 personnel sets, 13 personnel sets. They'll sub in an extra lineman and have an extra lineman eligible as a tight end all the time. And if you just try and sit and nickel all day and, and think that you can stop the run doing that, you know, the Jets have done a pretty dang good job stopping the run out of nickel this year. But we even we saw against the Patriots game a few weeks ago, there were a couple of times where they got gashed and I really think that you cannot allow yourself to get gashed early because if you do, then that's all that's going to happen for the rest of the game. It's easier said than done. That's that's kind of the key the key point here is that it's a lot easier to just say get into a bigger set defensively and, and sell out and stop the run. But it's all going to come up front first and foremost. We're going to need big games out of Quinn and Williams. We're going to need a big game out of uh, John Franklin Myers. But the X factor, Matt, for me. Jermaine Johnson's playing this time. Mm-hmm. And I think Jermaine is such a good run defender. Like we all know that he's going to have another big impact. And I think you can get a really good run stuffing set of players on the field where from left to right, you have an alignment of Carl Lawson, Quinn Williams, John Franklin Myers, Jermaine Johnson, I think they could do some damage and also get after the quarterback on passing downs too. I'm, that's what I want to see out of this front. Obviously they're going to rotate. Obviously they're going to, you know, keep guys fresh like they always do, but their main front four, I want to see Jermaine part of that package. Cause I think he's the perfect player for this game.
1: While we're talking about the front four, we will be without Rankins for maybe four to six weeks, maybe more. He was a big part of this defensive line behind uh, Q and, and Rankins I really just see a lot of sub-average players is his uh, him missing time especially in this game how much do you think that's going to hurt?
0: It's gotta hurt And I'm not going to try and and dance around and say that it isn't because Rankins has been playing really, really well this year. He's been playing a lot better in run defense than I think either of us would have expected and definitely more so than he's been getting credit for. You know, he was playing some really good football. And we saw when they had their starting unit in and Quinnen and, and Rankins were on the inside that they basically didn't give up anything on the interior in the run game. And when their subunit would come in, that's when we would start to see some problems. So I think this is, like I said, this is the game where JFM moves and plays more on the interior. And you let Jermaine and Michael Clemens handle some more duties outside. I I really think that that's how you supplant this loss is you trust your youth. You trust your young guys that you drafted to play these roles to do what they're drafted to do. And you trust JFM as the position versatile player who's, I, I would have to check exactly, you know, average salary per year, but if he's not the highest paid player on the defensive line, then he's in the top three as one of your highest paid defensive linemen. Who's touted as being a versatile player. Well, now's the time to be versatile. This is why you keep guys around like that. So you can put guys in various spots and get your best four on the field. However it is. And if that means JFM's playing defensive tackle, then that's what I think it means.
1: Well, we're talking about JJ before, uh, uh, our friend David uh, was sent us the a clip from uh, uh, One Jets Drive coming out uh, about the the draft process with JJ and how they specifically were looking at plays that I remember you sending me uh, of JJ on the edge uh, chasing down quarterbacks, mobile quarterbacks with ease. Not alone and that he was chasing down out. jet
0: sweeps to receivers. Yeah, it wasn't the receivers, even, the running backs, yeah, to it didn't matter who it was. It didn't matter.
1: And the the way that they described how what they were envisioning for him, in that we need this guy to be able to hang with guys like Josh Allen. And then that's exactly what happened when he went up against Josh Allen. To see that come to fruition was kind of like a a, a, a strong validation for everything we said about JJ leading up to the draft and how we came to the conclusion that he was a top edge rusher and not a guy that should be going in the second round. Uh, it, yes, we didn't take him in the top 10, but I think he's proved thus far that he's probably outplayed uh, a number of, of edge defenders that went before him. So i I'm not going to say that he's... Uh, That we should have taken him over Garrett or anybody else that we've actually taken. But I will say that what he's done so far and what he's been able to do uh, is been very impressive and is exactly
0: what we've been talking about this whole time. His tape has translated straight to the NFL, Uh, and that's always what you're looking for when you're looking at first round picks, when you're looking at, at college players making the next the next jump up to a higher level of competition. Are they still the same guy? Are they still good at the same things they were good at before? Are they, still, are they still as athletic? Do they look like they're one of the best athletes on the field playing against professionals as opposed to playing against guys that might be selling insurance in a year and a half? That's definitely what you're looking for, and Jermaine Johnson has absolutely translated to the pros. All of his strengths, that, not to spend too long gushing on JJ because we have do that more than enough on this show already, but – when you look at what he's what his strengths were, it was size, it was strength, it was speed, it was flexibility, it was tenacity, it was run defense as well, stoutness against the run, awareness to know where the ball was going, pursuit speed to the edge when you're looking to chase someone down, when he's pass rushing for a guy that's six foot four and a half and 250 pounds, his ability to bend, his ability to kick his legs out to the side and use those ankles to turn corners, his ability to flatten down and finish. We've seen all of that in his rookie season. All of it. At various points, one way or another, every single thing that I ticked off for him, and and I know you did as well, when we were going through the scouting process, and I remember last January when I first turned his tape on, going through and being like, Oh, dang, he's he's dominating tight ends in the run game like it's not even a competition, let alone he's doing his job. It's like the tight ends four yards in the backfield and he just used the tight end to tackle the running back. It's oh, this guy tried to to set inside and pin me inside on a zone play. And I'm just going to toss him out of the screen and go get the running back. It's I'm playing on a wide nine and here comes a, a receiver receiver our jet sweep from a wide receiver and they leave me unblocked and they think I'm just going to charge up field and, and not make the tackle. Oh, there's the runner. It's going to the edge. Let me turn on a dime and, and hit the turbo button on the afterburners and go chase down this wide receiver for a 10 yard loss. All of that is what we've seen. And, and in this game in particular, I don't think it's going to be any different having a guy, you know what, Matt, and this might even be a, a different set that they can try and do if the, if the Jets really want to crush any opportunity of the Patriots running to the edges, then you put JFM on one side and you put JJ on the other and you say, okay, pick which side you're running to because either way, the, the, the force players on the end is going to collapse things down and you're going to have to cut this back. However, you got to align these guys, you know, find your best matchups. But I really do think that Jermaine is going to be invaluable for defending the run in this game. Yeah. Uh, when I think
1: of the ways the Patriots win on offense, it is first and foremost, Stevenson. Uh, and then you have uh, Mac Jones' ability to every now and then uh, break, break free for a nice, decent-sized chunk uh, of yardage to keep drives uh, alive. But then it's also the, these little rub routes that they do, uh, especially what they did last, last time against us in the red zone, uh, which they scored a touchdown on And how do you think that our defenders are when it comes to kind of passing off responsibilities and kind of fighting through those rub rounds?
0: Yeah, the one play I know you're you're thinking of was the touchdown to Jacoby Myers, I believe it was, where he comes on a motion and it's just a little dump off to the flat. And he's got a receiver blocking for him for what should have been offensive pass interference. But that's another argument we can we don't got to bring that up again. For me, it's very simple. I don't think in those situations it's and against that play in particular. It's so much about passing things off. It's just being aware of motions. Well, Marcus Joyner was late to react. That's why that was the touchdown where he saw the motion coming and he didn't immediately trail with it as fast as he could to get into position. And the second Myers got outside the, you know, outside the frame of the, uh, the right tackle, that's all it was. Joyner's in trail. He's not going to be able to recover fast enough to stop. Myers before he gets in the end zone, and that's all she wrote. So for me, first and foremost, it's it's being aware of your assignment and not being late to read. Passing things off is is another thing you got to worry about when you're more talking about zones. That to me is like less when it's rub routes, and it's more having two guys kind of like crisscrossing and going into the same area. So if you have a a two by two set and you got two receivers on one side, a lot of times you'll see the slant flats kind of happen where you get the slant receiver. Who's just kind of trying to run interference for the guy who's going to the flat and he can catch it and turn and stick it across the pylon. And those situations, that's where you pass off. That's where you have whoever is the guy on the outside. I'm going to take whoever goes to the outside and whoever you have lined up on the inside, you take whoever goes to the inside and you don't worry about trailing your guy going in the opposite direction. You stay pat and you let everyone else cross and that way they're going to run right into you. So first and foremost, just be aware. And don't be late to react to motions. And then God forbid you get into those situations where you might have to have some pass offs, then just know that you have to guard your area and you guard whoever comes into your area, not whoever you're just guarding in that point. That's another reason for me, Matt, where I don't really like man coverage in the red zone. I think you, you open yourself up to uh, in the tight red zone. I should say when you get within the five yard line, I think you, it's really, really tough to play man unless you got, an isolated receiver and it's one-on-one. Then I think you can kind of, you can use the sideline to your friend. You can shade inside and then you're worried about the back shoulder fades, which are really not as automatic as many people think. When you get down that tight, be aware of emotions, be aware of alignments. I think that's when you play a little more zone coverage. So you free yourself up from some of those rub routes and, the downside being if you get a motion against a zone coverage and no one follows it that's when someone might be open that's when it just comes down to knowing your keys it, defensively as a defensive player you got to have your tape study the jets acronym we've talked about it on the show before it's hanging up in their defensive line room is cake c a k e and it stands for coverage assignment keys execute that's the keys in cake is okay when they ran this motion the last time it was a short pitch out to the flat and that's what we should be expecting. So if you're in a zone coverage and argument's sake you're Jordan Whitehead who's the safety on the side the motion's coming towards that's your job to key on that and even if it may not be your zone responsibility that's when you got to take a risk and you got to make a play. so it's it's all about awareness for me. it's just about being aware and knowing your keys. Yeah I think our defensive plan,
1: uh, with the guys that we have back with JJ, uh, with what we've seen from them the first time around, uh, I don't think they have much else to throw at us. Am I am I wrong? Like I I don't think there's any new weird
0: wrinkle this New England offense has that our
1: defense can't
0: handle. No, I don't think so either. I think, like we were saying about this game a few weeks ago, I think the Jets are the more talented team. I think that's not a question. I think our defense should be able to handle this Patriots offense, regardless of what they try and throw out, because I just don't think they have the total amount of talent to, to overcome it. And so for me, if you stop the run and you don't let Stevenson beat you on the ground, then I'm not sure what else you really have to be worried about. I think that's when the Patriots are going to try and get desperate. That's when you got to look for the trick plays. That's when you got to look for the screen passes. That's when you got to look for, you know, all the fancy stuff that Belichick's always going to have in his pocket, but I, for, it comes down to stopping the run for me. You stop the run, and I think you give yourself a really good shot to win the game.
1: Yeah. Uh, some other things that they, they did last time, which I think is indicative of what the Patriots like to do, is they like to set their own pace. Uh, I remember when they got momentum going their way, they went into the hurry-up offense. And it seemed like they, we couldn't stop anything at that point. It was just gash after gash after gash. And I think that's the 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 series that where they where they scored the touchdown to open up the half uh, I think it's very important for this defense to not let the Patriots offense dictate how the game goes. It is our job to dictate how this game goes, and we have the talent we have the game plan we have what it takes to really dictate how we want things to go
0: yeah, I think so too. I really think that offensively, like I said before, they had a game plan to move the ball. This was not a game where Bill Belichick absolutely dusted Michael Floor and, you know, pantsed him in front of God and everybody. Michael Floor had a great game plan called, and the Jets offense was able to move the ball. It was just some really, really unfortunate plays from Zach Wilson that killed any momentum and kind of sucked all the wind out of the stadium. And after that, it just was too much to overcome. But you have the more talented team here. Uh, you have the, the more talented roster top to bottom. And I really think that it, it comes down to keeping things as simple as you can and and trusting that your, your players can beat the schematics. Uh, and it's not always that way, but I think this could be a game where that is the case. Let's talk about injuries real quick, Matt, because this mm-hmm. is going to be a very interesting game. The Patriots are likely to have some of their better players back for this game that they did not have against the Jets a few weeks ago, mainly being Christian Barmore and Kyle Duggar on defense. That's going to be, uh, that's going to hurt. That's Barmore's a very good defensive tackle. Duggar's a really good safety. That's going to make running the ball harder. And you got to be prepared for that. For the Jets side of things, we still haven't had any practice from Corey Davis. Mm-mm. We aren't going to have Sheldon Rankins. Nate Herbig is dealing with an injury right now, and he hasn't practiced. We're hopeful, or at least Solo seemed hopeful that he'd be able to play. But as of right now, it's Thursday and he hasn't practiced. And so we're waiting to hear news on that too. The Patriots' only new injury today was their cornerback, Jonathan Jones, who's out with an illness. So if he's healthy enough to play and he gets over this illness, that's not an injury that's going to have too much of a, a recovery time. And it's more about, is he over the illness? And if he is, he's probably going to play. And if not, then he'll be out because he's sick. But for the Jets, I think the injury question is more on the Jets right now. You mm-hmm. got guys that are, are limited, like Barmore and Duggar were limited with their injuries, but I'm pretty sure they both played last or Patriots had a bye just like the Jets. So they've had even more time to get healthy. And I think that this will be the game where they get their returns. No Corey Davis is really going to hurt again. And I'm really hoping that by some miracle, Corey Davis is good to go for this game because I really think It'll help open everything up offensively. His What he does in, in blocking on top of that and having a guy that Zach trusts to get open that's not just Garrett Wilson right now, I really think would be critical. If he can't go, then this has got to be another game from Garrett Wilson and Denzel Mims and Elijah Moore to, to really step up and, and prove that you are a, a dangerous receiver like we believe that they can be.
1: Yeah, the Corey Davis injury is very disappointing, especially, you know, with uh, news out like the next day, I believe, after the injury that, oh, he could have come back in, but they kept him out for. I don't understand game, that at all, which uh, makes no
0: sense it's at all. Blowing <laughs> my mind weeks later, how how by all reports from what we heard, he was cleared to come back in the Broncos game. And that was close to a month ago at this point, And he still hasn't practiced yet. How? How how was he cleared to return against Denver if this is how serious the injury is? And I'm not trying to take anything away from Corey Davis because it's not his decision. I think we need to be very not that I've seen, you know, many people mentioning this, but I don't want anyone for a second thinking that Corey's milking an injury or he could have played if he wanted to and he's shutting himself down. I don't think that's it at all. I think the Jets coaches and the Jets injury staff has really not had their head screwed on straight for most of this year. And what we hear out of reports initially is very, very commonly not what ends up being the case.
1: Yeah, which makes me even more worried about Herbig because our offensive line has gone through so many shifts and changes over the season. Uh, It takes a lot to to really get to where they are right now. And that, that what it is right now is already a makeshift line if Herbig is not good to go, even though they said that they're encouraged for him to play. I, we just got LDT back, I guess, right. Did we sign him today? Or yeah, he he's, just he got signed to the practice
0: squad today. So if he it. could be elevated and could be brought up, so I he's doubt officially signed today, but that would be very Start fast. Up. Yes. This week. Uh, so all that leaves
1: is what Feeney. Uh, so yeah. I, I, I'm not, encouraged by that at all uh, their encouragement uh, means nothing to me I am going to be worried until I see that he makes an attempt to even practice I, if he doesn't practice tomorrow I don't know how he plays uh, it, it would be a wonder to me so I, I think that that could be the biggest
0: one out of all of these yeah I think so too and one last point that I want to bring up that I really think could be the difference in the game special teams. You got to hope from another good output from Greg Zerline. Greg zerline has been having a really good year and we're very glad to have a kicker that we feel pretty reliable about. Got to hope that he can continue that. And we're not wasting any drives with missed field goals or, you know, shanked extra points that come back to haunt anybody, you know, hope that you're on your P's and Q's from a kicking standpoint. And then Braden man, I think could be the unsung hero of this game because a big, big, big problem for the Jets and the Patriots a few weeks ago was starting field position, where the Jets were averaging starting drives within their own 20, and the Patriots were averaging starting drives at like their own 40 for the first half of the game. That is so hard to come back from when you have such an, an obvious field position shift, especially with two offenses that I don't think either of us think are going to be putting up massive numbers on either side and two defenses that we think are probably going to do a pretty good job for most of the day. Winning the field position battle can sometimes be the difference in winning and losing the game. So I'm, you really got to key things in on special teams. I said this all as well on believe in jets. If you're Braxton Barrios, unless you have a, an absolute Canyon in front of you to run through <laughs> on a return, let the ball go in the end zone, let the ball yeah. go in the end zone on every kickoff, because if you're, you can't afford to start drives at your 17. You can't afford to start drives at, at the 14. You know, if you're guaranteed the 25 every single time, then unless you know you can get more than that, take the 25.
1: Yeah, I, I really it can't be understated how important field position could play in this game, uh, especially with, yeah, these two teams that are definitely more dink and dunk uh, kind of savvy teams where they're not going to be going for those deep shots a lot. Uh, Zach has maybe completed how many deep shots a a game or even attempted
0: deep shots. So it's, especially against the Bills. Less than one, probably. I don't even know if he had any against the Bills. He had a deep bomb to Garrett Wilson against the Patriots. He had another deep throw to Corey Davis against the Packers. Yeah, it's that's about it. That's about it. So when you're dinking and dunking and
1: you rely on that kind of game, uh, it kind of opens you up to a lot of problems uh if you're not successful right so if you're not like really driving if you're not flowing uh there's a lot more chances for you for the drive to stall so if you can get that good field position and it's more than likely that a lot of your drives are going to stall uh then it's, it's it's good it's imperative to really pin them back there
0: yeah i absolutely agree i absolutely agree if you can flip the script this game and be the team that's winning the field position battle. And you're forcing the Patriots to start some drives at their own 11 or their own 13 or something like that. Then I really think it's going to bode well for your defense and your offense as a whole getting maximizing the most out of your drives on offense is going to be the key to this game for both teams, which I, I really think whichever team wins the turnover battle Uh, whichever team does better on third down and whichever team dominates time of possession. I think that's your winner.
1: Yeah. There's some, uh, stories, uh, to this game. Uh, you have won the, the, the coin flip, which has predicted a loss for this game. Uh, it it has been right so far all year round. Uh, I'm concerned because I, I, I'm kind of buying into the coin flip. I don't know about you, but, uh, it, so I'm uh, I'm a little bit more worried about this game because of that.
0: Yeah the the super, the the superstition in in me is definitely getting there. Uh, as Michael Scott would say, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious, and <laughs> I'm I'm definitely a little stitious uh, about the the whole coin flip ordeal. But I'm trying to take it as a win win, where if they go against the coin flip and it breaks after nine weeks of being perfectly correct, then that's incredible. What a story, but we just beat the Patriots in new England. I care a hell of a lot more about that. If they end up losing, then we're just riding and it's all according to the plan. Yeah. And and nothing, nothing to be worried about because this is exactly what we were expecting. So that's kind of, I'm trying to hedge my bets with kind of like a, if, if we lose its destiny and if we win, then that's pretty cool too.
1: There's also a, a, a counter Uh, superstition going out there because I think we will be using our white tops, black pants, uh, combo, uh, for the for our jerseys, and I think we've been pretty successful with that. I don't know if we're undefeated with that combo, but undefeated with that combo, we are undefeated. So it's going to be dueling superstitions out there this this week. I don't know. I I thought the Patriots uh, claimed the the white jerseys and forcing us to use our green jersey. I don't know how that changed. Uh, I'm kind of glad that did. So w- one of these
0: superstitions is going to is gonna lose this week. Yeah, someone's going to be wrong. It's either going to be the Jersey Gods or the Coin Flip Gods, but one of the two of them is not going to be pretty happy. Let's get into picking this game. Matt, I'll go ahead and let you start because I'm really curious to hear uh, about what you think is going to happen with your score. I'm going to be honest. I have no idea where I think you're going to go.
1: Uh, it, it's hard. Uh, I kind of want to give us the win here. I think that, that, again, we have all the tools. We're the better team. We have a lot more talent. Uh, it's going to come down to what Zach does. Is he going to fall back into uh, the, the his ways of the first game? Or is he going to be more like what he was against the Bills? Is he going to be in more control? Is he going to be in rhythm? Uh, is he going to be uh, really accurate? He, he was very accurate against the Bills. Uh So it's hard to say, but I'm going to, I'm going to side with the team. I'm going to side with the talent. Uh, I think it's going to be a medium scoring game. I'm going to say
0: 27, 23 jets. Okay. Okay. I like it. I can confidently say, I don't remember the last time this has happened, but we're both going to predict wins and we'll see if that ends up being good or bad for us, but we're on the same sort of a same side of the coin here. Uh, no pun intended, on how we think this game is going to go. I'm flashing back to two weeks ago when this game was starting. And if not for a roughing the passer penalty on John Franklin Myers, Mm -hmm. the Jets are up 17-3 to going into halftime pretty much. And I think after that happened, all the momentum got sucked out of the stadium. All the hope got sucked out of the team. And it really kind of felt like a Jets game of old where they get something going early and one crucial mistake happens and it just kills everybody and no one's able to overcome it. And things just start snowballing and the Patriots just pounce because they always take advantage whenever you want to beat yourself. And what I really think is going to be the difference for this game is they're on the road. And when the Jets are on the road this year, they do not give a Blank about nothing else except beating the butt of whatever team they're playing. And it's like they go into a different mode where I've said this on this show more than once this year. They love being the villain. They love being the spoiler. They love being the one that the whole stadium hates. And when things are down and when they're in there in a hostile environment, they rally with each other and they trust in their brothers and their teammates and they go out and they perform to the best of their abilities, sometimes even better than we could have hoped for. And I really think having two weeks with a buy in between. Getting a win against Buffalo to to put some energy back into things. Now you got first place on the line again. You're right back in the thick of it. You're pretty much where a lot of people were expecting you to be at the buy at this point. Thinking, okay, you beat the Patriots and lose to Buffalo. You're six and three at the buy. Flip it. Now it's the same situation. I think you're going to see a different Jets team. I think you're going to see a pissed off Jets team. I think you're going to see a Jets team that's looking for revenge. I think you're going to see a Jets team that's angry, that's going to come out swinging, that's going to want to make a statement and want to get some payback on a team that just embarrassed them in their own stadium a few weeks ago. I don't think the Jets are going to win big. I don't think this is going to be a a stomping and everything is going to be, you know, Jets start to finish. But I do think they're the more talented team I do think that they become a different unit on the road and they become a very different unit in hostile environments. And I think that they're going to do just enough to win this game. I'm going to go 21, 17 jets. I think it's going to be close. I think the Patriots will will have their opportunities to to move the ball. I think the jets will do an okay job of stopping Stevenson, but I don't know if they're going to completely and totally shut him down, but I'm banking on that fourth quarter. I'm banking on the those villain jets that when they go into Joker mode in the fourth quarter and they dominate teams. I really think this game being on the road is going to make a huge difference. And even if argument's sake, you get into a scenario where the same thing happens and you seem to be leading and you have a big play and New England rests, take it off the board. I think you're going to have a completely different reaction where, when that happens in your own stadium, now it's like, okay, how do we overcome this? We weren't expecting this. This is supposed to be our house. You know, we're supposed to keep things rocking. And now we have to come back from that. When that happens on the road, I think it's just more fuel for them. And I think that's just going to have everyone even more focused to get right back in it. 2117 Jets in a slugfest. I love it. I love an underdog. We're underdogs
1: again. I think it's uh, three point underdogs. So three points, three points. I'll take. It. I think it was five point five points earlier in the week. So uh, there's the
0: the Vegas still doubts us, and let's make a pay. Yeah, this team loves when they are doubted. This team loves to be the underdog. They love to be the bad guy. They love to be the spoiler. And, and I really hope and I really think that that's what we're gonna see this week. Hope so. All right, well, that does it for us. Thanks, as always, everybody, for tuning in and listening. You can always find me on Twitter at Andrew Golden underscore 17, and you can also follow the show at OKD Podcast. Matt, let the people know where they can find you. Uh, Matt, you can find me at
1: Zazzy Jets.
0: Thank you guys again for tuning in. We will be back next week to review the Jets-Patriots game, hopefully looking at first place in the AFC East. I still cannot believe that I even get to say that. And this is kind of where I want to end real quick before we get out. We're about halfway through this season. The season has been better than anybody could have ever hoped for. And it's already halfway over. Let's just enjoy the rest of it as much as we can and look for the future, because even if things don't go exactly how we hope at the end of this year, we're going to be set up to do some damage in 2023. And I'm really looking forward to that. Absolutely.